I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually, they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for season two of Touching Evil. Uh, Robson Green's pre-Wire in the Blood serial killer show. Uh, I'm just going to say it. Maybe you disagree with, maybe you don't. Not a great start to season two. Uh, now, here's the thing. Useless. Um, never mind. Go on. You I don't think this is a particularly good episode of television. Uh, it was very slow in the middle. It's very slow in the middle. And it's like contrived as all hell in ways that we're going to talk about. Oh, uh, yeah. And it it's, it's like, okay, yes. Because there are places where you're going, say what? Yeah, no, that's that. Wait, that what? was my response too. So we'll okay. get there. But I will okay. say this: um, it has James Nesbitt uh, uh, in it. Who we love, James Nesbitt. Here, we're not going to uh, be ashamed for being huge fans of James Nesbitt. He has done uh, just a ton of great work over the years. Love, love, love some James Nesbitt. Okay, so yes, and uh, the killer they're chasing at the start of the episode is played by Tony Coran who people might remember from a lot of people's favorite episode of Doctor Who, where he played Vincent Van Gogh. Yes, it, it is. It is truly amazing. Um, I, I mean, the acting, it, it, he actually impressed me. Yeah, he's really good. And in at, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, I'm just going, yeah, but it's, it was just, I'm just going, first of all, depressing episode. Yep. Right up to the end. Oh, yeah. Um, like the last, the last frames are god awful depressing. Oh, my God. Uh, we'll talk about, we'll talk about it all when we come, when we, as we're going along, but I, it was, um, it here's, was here's my question to you, okay? okay. Uh, so, you know, the killer who talks a lot about fate and the universe and things being destined to happen. Am I the only one who got vibes uh, from that of the worst episode of Cracker? <laughs> Remember the worst episode of Cracker about the guy about who had a cult be get based on the fact that he read a brief history of time? <laughs> it's the same guy's show so what yeah i mean he didn't write this one but he had this he has paul evan has the weirdest credit this week uh it says devised by paul abbott it's written by somebody else but devised by paul abbott i'm like that's a weird credit i don't know if i've seen that credit before so i think in addition to creating the show like it was Paul Abbott's concept for the episode this week. He just didn't sit down and write the script. Yeah. I think that, no, for sure. That is what it seems to be suggesting to me. If I were to try and, you know, de- uh, what is it? Decode that credit. Yes. I yes, think that's what it means. All right. Paul Abbott and Mike Cullen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's who made this week's episode. I will tell you at one point. You know, well, we'll, we'll, no, I'll wait, I'll wait for my comment, okay. my commentary until, uh, there, there was just this comment I have that will wait until we get to the, to that part. 
Yeah. It's always near the end that I had um, all these comments. It was, we should just tell people, James Nesbitt played Jericho in Jericho. That's a, I mean, not Jericho. Um, Hyde, Jekyll yeah. and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde. Yes, he was yeah. Jekyll. He well yeah. and and Hyde, uh, he, uh, you know, he was. Uh, it it is a miraculous. If you haven't seen Jekyll, we might cover Jekyll at some point because it's so good. Yeah, it's yeah. it's Stephen Moffat's best non Doctor Who work. Yeah, like it's just so good. Like it is. It is six episodes of a horror drama that's as scary and thrilling and twisty as anything you're going to see. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is, and given that we're starting to get kind of desperate, I mean, things like um, Silent Witness, right, we just can't do because... No, it's it's a million episodes of a TV show and it's about a forensic pathologist, you know? Like, yeah, so we're not going to, we're not going to do that, right? Yeah, so, but we do have to find stuff that fits the vibe of Criminal Minds, which something like that doesn't. Uh, but Jekyll might be close enough. Who can say? Who can say? We can decide that well, one later. But also, hey, there's just, always Tuesday shows. Yes, there's the Tuesday shows where we do everything else. Yeah. And I would say that uh, the only reason I'm bringing bringing that up, and I mean, he's been in all sorts of things. But when I started listening to, it, I'm trying to figure out who this. I know this. Sound, I've watched something with him in it before right. because I honestly didn't really recognize him. I recognized the voice, but I kept looking. Yeah. And it took me ages to realize it was James Nesbitt because I hadn't looked at the, I hadn't watched the credits as they were going yeah, by. You weren't paying attention to the credits. I weren't paying attention. I wasn't paying attention to the credits. And <laughs> I had just finished watching something called Bloodland. Bloodland. Which stars him. Which is his show, and it is, um, I would recommend, I think it's on Acorn, so if you have access to Acorn. So you're used to him being 25 years older than he is here. Here, oh yeah, and for sure, I mean, once I went, oh, because I went to IMDb. Right, to confirm who it was. Oh my God, you know, I couldn't believe that I did not. Recognize him immediately. Didn't recognize him, but his hair, everything. Yeah. He's so so different. He well, is. Nesbitt is fantastic. He's always been yeah. fantastic, and he's really good here. Like, I'll say what you will about the plot of this episode, which I would argue is fairly dire. Uh he's really good here. Like, oh. he is very good, and a part that like he gets a lot of time to showcase. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He gets more than anybody else, I think, in in the oh, in the episode, absolutely. There, it yeah. is. It is really strange because what I would say is that yeah, there's some weird camera work and stuff too. We'll talk about that. All know. right. So the opened ep- episode opens in a newspaper office where they're with James Nesbitt, who's a reporter who has been contacted by a serial killer. Yeah. Who sends him a note? Uh, Every like a day before he kills each one of his victims, which and his he's just a generic uh, serial killer who hates women and murders them and steals their hair because that's his fixation. Yes. Right. 
He's got a problem with women, and so he rapes and murders women, and he steals their hair. Again, not a, not a particularly special dude. Okay, and here's the thing. Yeah. I would be exempt from his pool. Because you don't have your natural hair color. Because I don't have natural hair. Ah, that's not true. He kills women anyway, but he only steals their hair if it's natural hair. He only adds hair to his collection if it's natural hair, but he'll kill women no matter what. Will he? Yeah, he says that. But he doesn't do that. Well, we only see him kill one person in the episode. He only asks hair from people with that. He only steals hair. I mean, he specifically says that. Like, I'm not I'm not reading anything into the text. He specifically says, because he can't tell if woman's hair is natural from a distance. No, he kidnaps women and he kills them. And then if it turns out their hair is natural, he steals the hair. Like, this is... I'm, again, I'm not reading into it. Okay. This is what he literally says in the episode. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm quoting the episode in a line you missed. All Somewhere right. in there I missed. Yes, so, I mean, as much as I thought he did a really good job of acting, I yeah. didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't, I mean, it's a serial killer not. It's the, it's Hannibal Lecter in jail stuff. You've seen it a million times before. You don't have to pay attention to every single line. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> Exactly. It. There were every yeah. line. I mean, I could. I. It's not like I've forgotten. It wasn't like the last episode where I'm going. I don't even know if I'm going to remember what this episode <laughs> was. I just watched it yesterday, right? Oh yeah, I know. All right. So, uh, well, this one is a lot. Uh, to be fair, this one is a lot less convoluted than the last episode. Yeah. Like that, there was a lot of convolutions in that last episode with the cult and the serial killer from the past and the guy who was worshipping her and he was a hacker and he, you know, like all of this stuff. Well, it was like two episodes. Yeah, it was like two completely different episodes that yeah. got grafted together. It's, in some ways, this is, this may be the, the hallmark of what's going on. Yeah. Because after all, they catch the serial killer right away. So yeah, let's get into that, which yeah, is they he has sent a um photograph. he has sent a photograph of himself from the neck down naked and by changing the contrast on it, they are able to see out the window a distinct uh building top. And so they go through the skyline of London until they find that building top and they see that like facing the building top is this uh brick converted warehouse it's a warehouse that has been converted into lots and it is so underpopulated it has three tenants right and one of them is a woman two of them are men and one of the men is a young guy who you know matches the skin tone of the body and the thing and has like suspiciously no record uh and who has a bunch of money because he committed a bunch of computer fraud but they weren't able to prove it, and so he just lives off of his computer fraud money. Ill-gotten gains. Yeah, Ill his ill-gotten gains. Thank you. That is definitely the term I was searching for. <laughs> and so uh, now that they found this guy, right, uh, you know, Dave's like, let's pick him up. And the boss is like, we don't have enough evidence to pick him up. And Dave's like, there's six hours left. And he's like, so that's six hours in which you can prove it. So while Mark goes to follow him around, right, as he leaves his place, everybody goes to break into his apartment. Uh, because they were able to get a warrant to search the place. They weren't just, just weren't able to get a warrant to arrest him or bring him in for questioning. Uh, I gotta say, 
This is my first issue with the uh, episode, okay? Is the bar really so high to bring someone in for questioning? Like, I'm wa I've watched a lot of these cop shows, and I look at what they did to, you know, uh, Emperor Palpatine in that first episode. <laughs> and, like, literally, a guy was kind of, in, like, his car was seen in the area where a child was kidnapped, and nobody saw him there, right? And then he was a witness of another thing, so he was in the area of a couple of things, right? And they were able to bring him in for a really long interrogation, right? In the first episode. This episode, they have a picture sent by a serial killer, and the only window from which that picture could be taken right? There are only two possible people who could have been in that building to take it. Two possible men who could have been in that building to take it. I feel like that's enough evidence to, like, at least bring someone down to headquarters and have a conversation with them. And then while you're doing that, you search their office and you find his giant serial killer uh, shrine that he has in his building. <laughs> You know, uh, or did, you know, like, I, I feel like this isn't a problem, <laughs> but they act like, no, they can't, they can't risk tipping him off. I'm like, can't they? You did with the emperor. <laughs> like if it's going to interrupt, even if it's going to interrupt, uh, even if all you accomplish is his plan on, uh, is interrupting his plan on murdering a woman that night, isn't that a win for you? Like, am I the crazy, if I'm the crazy one here, tell me. But it's like, that was the first part of the episode where it's like, this is not how they normally behave. Well, no, it's not normally. But maybe, remember, they got into so much trouble in season one. Yeah. Okay. And now the new boss, like the, the head of this particular section, has yeah. taken over running the team he's hands-on and he does not want messes yeah and so maybe that is maybe, maybe. but that that's why he says don't go and arrest him the way yes. you know dave wants to go and arrest him because yeah. again mathematically speaking it's one of two people and he's the most likely suspect that's a reason not to arrest him and i accept that that's not a reason not to bring him in for questioning like, bringing yeah, him in for questioning you... is a super casual thing to do. Yeah, but once you bring him in for questioning, number one, it is true that you have then tipped him off that he is a person of interest. Yeah. Um, that he is, you know, so I... And it's before, because what happens when they do go into his apartment, you know, Dave just goes, shit, it's him. Yeah, because it's not possible that it couldn't be. <laughs> yeah, and but that, and that's my so, point. Like, I don't understand why they don't don't do exactly what they did to the emperor in that first episode, right? Which is bring him in for an interview, and while you've brought him in for an interview, like search his place. Yes, but the problem the problem is, huh? Now I. 
I'm not going to try and justify. You can just admit that it's contrived and we can move on. Well, no, yeah. Oh, no, I'll admit it's contrived. But I'm trying to think, so is there... um, I don't think there's an explanation. I don't know that there's an explanation. I mean, they just have one. It's, again, one of the things that begins. It didn't bother me at the beginning. You look at these things. It was only in retrospect. If I was to watch this episode a second time, which I'm not going to do because that would make it a third time. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know, because we've seen this before mm-hmm. and, um, a long time ago, but we've seen it before. So meanwhile, uh, did we take it out? I'm trying to think if I took it out on DVDs. Maybe. Because I will, or did they? Who knows? The point is, we were trying to track down what else Robson Green had done because we enjoyed Wiring the Blood so much. Well, and that's why we watched this. Yeah, because wherever it was on, if it was on in Britain, it probably wasn't on anywhere else because at least this episode in the way it is here, because of course there's the picture. He sends the full frontal yeah. picture of himself, right? And they make cracks and you see it. And I'm going, well, that ain't going to happen in Canada. Or the no. That's for sure. All right. So, um, meanwhile, we cut over to a, uh, a woman having dinner with her parents and, uh, she's talking about how she needs to take uh, a semester off of school and her father's a real dick about it. And he's so much of a dick about it that he refuses to drive her back to campus. Uh, because again, he's a petty man who likes it when things go his way and yeah. doesn't like it when he's questioned. And this results in the axe that, uh, the taxi that comes to pick her up is driven by a serial killer. And yeah. so when Mark sees her getting into the car, he tells everybody that a woman just got into the car. And Dave at this time has just seen the serial killer shrine in his apartment. It's like, you've got to catch him. So Mark races after him to try to catch him. But the guy's a taxi driver. So he knows the streets really well and he manages to ditch pursuit. So Mark sees them disappear into the woods, and then he phones Dave to ask him what to do. And Dave, I mean, to a point that it's almost out of character, gets yep. completely hands-off with Mark. I know. It, like, it was is terrible. this Dave? He's like, I can't tell you to go in there. You have to decide for yourself whether to wait for backup or not. Well, like, maybe he's still pissed off from at Mark from the whole business. Yeah, but there's a woman who's about to get stabbed to death. Hey, I tell you. So, okay, I'm glad you had the same reaction to this. No, and my my thing was, Dave, are you an idiot? Tell him. Just tell him to do whatever it takes to make sure that woman's alive. Yeah, exactly. Don't let her. Oh, yeah, I know. I was pissed off. This whole episode pissed me off. Yeah, so, so Mark does go after her like it's yeah. it's all up to him and he's like okay i can do this and he goes and he tries to chase after them which yeah. you know he does the right thing but then he gets there and he finds that like he doesn't have the wherewithal to shoot the guy in the back yeah which you know i mean i get it like i get that it's difficult and you risk hurting you risk hitting her and you're shooting somebody in the back and if you alarm him to the fact that you're there, he'll use her as a human shield. Like, he is in a no-win situation here. Yep. Like, he is, and honestly, maybe if someone had told him to do whatever it takes to save her, 
he might have shot that guy in the back. Yeah, Dave. Well, because he was so, he still freaked out by everything that happened. Like it was traumatizing what happened to him last year. Yeah, and Dave was not sympathetic last year. No, no, like not at all. Mark's doing his best out here, guys. Mark is doing his best, and he is getting no support from Dave. All right, so Dave shows up, and uh, Mark is there waiting for him, and the three of them, oh, and Ruth is there too. So the three of them all rush into the woods to try and find her, right? And of course, Mark already knows where the cabin is, and Dave's like, you know, how many entrances are Mark's like, I don't know. I came back to wait for you. (laughs) I didn't want to let him know I was here by creeping around, which, you know what? If you're going to make the wait for backup decision, that's kind of the right thing to do. Uh, So Dave busts in and goes to confront the killer, who indeed, uh, right, is using her as a human shield. And so Dave has a choice to make. Do I take the shot or do, uh, right, or do I try and talk him out of killing her? Yep. And Dave just thinks he can talk him out of killing her. And spoiler alert, he can't. Because this guy doesn't care about anything. So he slashes her throat and he attacks Dave. And Ruth shoots him in the shoulder. Yep. And, you know, hey, episode over the killer's been caught. Yeah, I know. It is a weird opening. It is a weird opening. Yes. It was very weird. Uh, but you know what? Cause you don't know where this is going. And honestly, the first time I didn't know where it was going. And this time it took me like, you know, once the stuff starts happening, I'm like, oh, right. I remember what this episode is about. Yeah. yeah, no, I remember. I remembered pretty quickly. Uh, but we'll get there. So, uh, we get the aftermath, right? They have to talk about, uh, right. They have to talk, uh, you know, talk about what's going, uh, what's going on. Dave does the informing of the family of the dead girl, right? Yep. And we get this horrible scene where the father wants to know whether she was, you know, whether she suffered, whether she was awake, how fast she died, like all of the stuff you should not be asking and should not be telling because it's just going to mess with people's heads. But Dave says that, like, she was awake and died quickly. And the, the guy's like, well, at least someone finally told me, you know, told me rather than just, you know, keeping it all bottled up. Told me the truth. Told me the truth instead of just treating me like I didn't have the right to know what happened to my daughter. Okay. And and given given the amount of guilt this man is suffering from. Yeah, since it's, and I mean, I don't mind saying it, 100% his fault his daughter's dead. Yep. Yeah. He just driven her back to school. I mean, this is going to be, I hate to go to the real life case, but this is a Paul Bernardo thing. Yeah. I'm never going to stop blaming that woman. Or at least I'm not, and you're not. <laughs> no. It's, it's, no. It's, it's the exact same deal. You you cut your kid loose, and then something bad happened to them. Yeah, it's your fault. So there yeah. you go. Uh, so then, but now the killer's in jail. So that's a plus, but we have to deal with the aftermath. And they failed to save the girl, and now the press is writing about it. Right? And uh, this is where we really get into the James Nesbitt character. Because everybody feels like they screwed up and there's a reporter already involved in the case. So he's there to listen to everybody and to write about it. And you get this scene where Mark comes in and he's just like, 
you can say, I, fine, just say I'm screwed up. Stop giving me the silent treatment. And, you know, Ruth and Dave act like they don't know what they're talking about it. But it's like, I th but Dave's so wrapped up in his own guilt for not taking the shot and misreading the guy that he hasn't dealt with the fact that, like, he caught that he as much as caused Mark to hesitate. Yeah. Now he now, you know, I mean, Mark's not saying anything but that. He's yeah, he's not blaming. Point. He's not blaming Dave, but you know, Dave could take some friggin' responsibility, more responsibility for how this played out. Well, yes, they should have either waited for backup. Yeah. At that point, once that decision had been made, yeah. By Mark, then they should have just waited. Exactly. And because Mark's like, we waited for backup. Let's wait for the tactical team. And Dave's like, no, I'll go in. I can handle it. As if he's specifically trying to show up Mark for Mark being unwilling to come in and handle it. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, it, I mean, Dave is, is becoming more and more unlikable. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he's specifically trying to undercut Mark, right? And then how much worse is it because Dave doesn't handle it. He doesn't save the day. And, nope. you know, he he's like, oh, I can't tell you to wait for backup, but I'm not going to wait for backup, but I got a woman killed. So how is Mark supposed to feel? Yeah. And so, of course, nah, then at his lowest moment, James Nesbitt comes up to Mark in a bar and he's like, hey, what happened there? And Mark's like, Dave didn't take the shot and that's why she's dead. I mean, he doesn't say it in so many words. No. But he makes it clear that that's what happened. Yeah. Right. That's the important part. Like all of the information is there for James Nesbitt to write his story. Right. That makes Dave look like the villain who got this girl killed, which, of course, the girl's father is not happy about at all. And he comes to Dave and wants to know, you know, why Dave lied to him and blames Dave for his daughter dying. Because, again, now he's got someone else to blame. And Dave has no time for him and doesn't want to hear about this at the moment. And yes, this is going somewhere. It just doesn't pay off this episode. We only get, I mean, we can just get through it now. We only get one more scene with the girl's father, which is like, he's so freaked out by what happens, by what happened, that he like go and he refuses to let them carry off his daughter's body for burial. Right. He's like, will not let them take his daughter's body away. And the cops have to escort him out and he attacks somebody. And it's all just a mess. Yeah, so if you're wondering, are they going to do a multiple episode arc like they did about the guy killing the emperor last year? Yeah, they are. They're going to do an overarching plot over the three episodes in addition to the plots of the three episodes. All right. But, please. Yes. Yeah. No, no. I was going to say. But who knows when you're watching this for the first time? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, come on. Well, I mean, that's the thing. In the second episode, like last year, they did do good, a good job of not letting people forget about the events of the first episode and make it clear. Because throughout the second episode, right, it was clear the problems he was having based and he was screwing up his job based, you know, that you could. Dave was dealing with having, you know, planned to kill the guy and not. And the guy who did kill him was screwing up his job. Yeah. So it's like, they did keep it kind of at the forefront of your mind. And they're, you know, it's like, they are going to do follow-up to this later in the season. Like, they're not just doing this stuff for no reason. So, uh, they, oh. <laughs> they go and they interview the killer, 
And the killer's like, it doesn't matter if I'm caught. This is all just a cycle of things that keep happening and none of this matters. Right? Yep. And then... And, and they, you know, and they intimate and he intimates, well, what do you mean it's over? <laughs> yep. You think, Oof. Uh, you think I'm the only one? And then he asks to make a phone call. And they trace where he made a phone call to, and they find the address of a warehouse. Yep. And they go into the warehouse, and they find a dead woman hanging from the ceiling who was killed after he was arrested. Oh, yeah. Oh, and we're off and running. Yep. So now we have to look for the accomplice. Yep. And we do find the accomplice. And as far as I'm concerned... This is where the episode gets so much worse. Oh, well, no. But just say it with me. How did they not catch the accomplice immediately? I know. Like, there's no planet under which they don't catch him immediately. Right? They should have figured it out. Yes. It is, it is ridiculous. Because, you know, and. Okay. I mean, we, we, and the, the like, I almost, is, I almost feel like I would be insulting our listeners if we did this episode chronologically because it's such a frustrating episode to watch. Well, it is very frustrating because very quickly we, the viewer, yeah. if, if you've got any kind of common sense at all, yeah. know exactly who the accomplice is. It can only be James Nesbitt. Yeah. And this isn't even a situation, well, well, he's the only other character we've met, so it must be him reverse engineering. No. The woman who got murdered is a woman that James Nesbitt has been writing hate articles about for the Daily Mail. <laughs> right? Trying to wrap, uh, like, ra- you know, ramp up hatred towards her for being a, um, for being a corrupt lawyer. Like she was a lawyer who was going to be made a judge and he's been writing episodes about he- how she's corrupt, you know, trying to destroy her career. So... Obviously, James Nesbitt, and it comes out pretty quickly that last year there was an MP who it turned out was secretly a lesbian, and he wrote hate articles about her until she killed herself. Yep. Right? So it is obvious that James Nesbitt is either the one doing this, right? Or he is the, he is either the one doing this, or he has someone who is obsessed with his writing. These are the only two possible options. So, but the minute you see him doing that, that banging on walls or no, banging. No, 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 no. You're right. We know right away he's the killer. I'm you saying know, I mean, the, he's, he's odd, sitting the, there. The, the, uh, shot? the cops can only know that those, I should have said clearly, the cops only have two possible interpretations for yeah. the events. He's the killer or the killer's obsessed with him. Yeah. But then they go to search his apartment and they find that he has 50 hours recorded of him in conversation with the serial killer. But Remember how they were trying to catch a serial killer? And he said, all I know is he keeps sending me emails and packages. The fact that he had been talking to this killer for 50 hours and never mentioned it to the cops who were working on the case doesn't make them think, once they have that information, he can only be the killer. 
Oh, I know. It 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 is ridiculous. And then of course we find the you and, know uh, that that the only thing is they don't have the crucial tape. Yeah. <laughs> but it just it makes sense. Or at least they should be suspicious of him. And what business does Susan, Ruth Susan, yeah, have going out with him? I know. Well, no, because she's I, she's angry at Dave and she's angry at Mark and she's you know feel frustrated by the situation and he's there to listen to her and no one else in her life is listening to her and letting her talk and so she creates you know way too much intimacy way too fast just because she's so desperate that someone frigging listens to her i mean i'm not saying she should have slept with him i do understand emotionally where she was coming well but i'm thinking no but this goes back to her how the hell did they not sit down and think that this guy was a possible. Clearly the killer. I know. Clearly At least the a killer. high possibility. Once it, they found those recordings. Yes. That was it. You know, that but was by it. By the way, and what pissed me off so much about that scene, right? That scene, and again, you can tell me if I'm wrong about this. What pissed me off so much about the scene is he's like, uh, it sounds like he's fantasizing about a serial killer, right? And... Uh, and, and he's like, no, I was just trying to get him to open up for research. And yeah. I'm like, and, and someone's like, well, that is a valid technique for reporters to try and, you know, get people to open up when you're getting a story. And I'm like, that's all well and good, but you knew he was a serial, no one, you know, really hammers down the fact that you knew you were talking to an active serial killer who you were supposed to be helping the police catch. Yeah. So, so why, why were you talking to him at all? If it wasn't to try, and why weren't you feeding this information to the cops? There's plenty of time to find out what man makes this man tick and write the book about him once he's in jail. I know that the whole thing was just a pain. Okay, thank you for backing me up on this, because it's like, I'm watching this episode and I feel like I'm going crazy. Well, no, I I, honestly, I felt it too. It was... No one is behaving in a sane way in this episode. No, everybody's, what, doing something else. And the boss who took over because they were all so whatever. They were all, so, they were all just running wild and not, you know, doing the grunt work. Is like yeah. completely hands off with this part? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's exactly how I feel. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I can't make too much sense of any of this. Yeah. To be honest. It's, it's, it's crazy this episode. So now they have 50 hours of tapes of him. And again, whether or not they have the crucial tape where he talks about how he wants to kill someone and the killer puts him up to killing somebody, whether or not they have that crucial tape, they have 50 hours that he did not turn over and he kept any, and they know he lied to them over and over again over when he, again. he specifically said, my only contact with him is emails and packages. So they know he has been lying to them this whole time. And yet all they do is have one guy kind of follow him around. I know. It's what is it? Do they not have any money? <laughs> do they not have a budget to catch a serial killer who just killed a prominent lawyer who is going to be a judge? And then it gets worse. So he he goes, he runs off and we find out, oh yeah, he, he kills older woman with authority over, he's got problems with his mother. Like, they don't get into it, but we know what's going on here. Uh, 
right? Ruth has had sex with him by this point. What's that? It was it was so bad. Yeah. (laughs) I just I don't know what else to say. No, and so Ruth has had sex with him by this point, as you pointed out. Like, what are you doing, Ruth? And again, it's just What are you doing? No one is listening to her, I guess, is her justification. She just needs to feel seen. Did they now here's the thing. Did they not know that this guy collected scalps? Uh, well, no. Hair. At this point? Yeah, no, they know. Because... I'm not talking. Yeah, Emerson. Or yeah, whatever. because he specifically go. His name is Emerson. You got that right. No, no, because he specifically asks in the interview for Ruth's hair. Yeah. And uh, she refuses to give it because as Tony, I bet said Tony, as and Dave so, says, we don't need your information that badly. And so when, when, when... Nesbitt starts talking about her hair. She doesn't clue in. She doesn't react at all. (laughs) And I'm just creeped out. I'm just going. Oh, no, but it gets, it gets worse. Oh, yeah. Because then, right, he goes off and he slips and he actively runs away. So they know he's trying to dodge being followed. Yeah. They know that's what he's doing. They know, he he know, they know that he knows that they're onto him. Right? And so he runs off and he goes to this diner and he waits until he's alone with the owner and then he murders the diner owner. Because again, he hates women and she talks about how it's her establishment so he's got to leave. And authoritative women, well, he has to kill. Because again, hates his mother. Duh. Yeah, duh. So they find the body and they realize again, (laughs) hair brutally stabbed, hair has been cut off. It's him. It's And it's even not that far from where he slipped his pursuit. So they know it's him at this point, right? And she has mentioned that she slept with him and Dave has yelled at her for being so stupid. Yeah. And it doesn't occur to anyone for a second, hey, maybe he's going to come after Susan. Well, it Maybe doesn't. we should look out for Susan and put surveillance around Susan. I have no idea why. Because they suggest that, well, he's going, because... You wouldn't Remember, even mention he, that he might. Because before he kills the woman, yeah. he goes back to the office. Yes. And he writes this horrible, yeah. excoriating article piece about Dave. Yeah. So for some bizarre reason, they think, because they've already figured out that, okay, so they've got these two cases and what he's been doing is he hates women. Yeah. So, and, and, but he doesn't, he didn't kill them. Yeah. Until just now. Until the last, like these last two, like, but he's had got a history of destroying women. Yeah. By his, in his paper, he builds them up. Yeah. And then he destroys them. them. And then he destroys them. Yeah. Okay. So we've got that. You know. And we can listen to the tapes and hear him bonding to the guy with the guy over the guy's hatred of women. Yeah. And again, well, I was just doing for research. But again, by this time, you know he's a killer. So obviously those conversations have to take a different tenor. And you know he killed a woman. So they think he's going to go after Dave? Yeah. Based what? on what exactly? He would go after Dave. The the Rather than the cop who's a woman he hates women who he just had sex with. Yeah. Why would you not think it was her? On what planet 
could Susan not be the target? Susan, well, frankly, Susan is the only one that, Dave is the only one that sort of thinks it might be Susan because he's watching Susan. Yes. But he's not doing a very good job of it because they leave her completely alone in her house. And he's there. And the killer's there and abducts her and drives off with her. Like, what is happening? Yeah. In this well, episode. That's exactly, that's exactly it. You just sit there and go, okay, what's happening here? This episode is know. so frustrating. Because, like, no one, everyone is doing the stupidest possible things. Nobody has any common sense. Like, it's patently obvious who this guy is and what this guy wants. And all of these guys only are based around hating women. Yeah. So how is Susan not, like, and even if you only put a couple of guys on Susan as well as attacking, uh, like, protecting Dave, fine. But why didn't, wasn't she defended at all? Why wasn't she told, don't go back to your house? Because if that's, like, only go so back to your house she, if why you're trying to she, trap him. She had a dream about him. I know! In her house, and I'm going, why did you go back home? Yes. Why didn't you go into a safe house? See, Dave, they, they decide. And Dave almost says it's got to be Susan. Yeah. Not me. You know, it's got to be a woman. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's like, and, and they don't follow up and they don't do anything. Right. It is just like, it's, it's bonkers. This it's episode. It's bonkers. This episode. You just go, are you guys crazy? Yeah, nothing anybody's doing is making sense. No. Nothing. No, it is just a complete... So, he's kidnapped her, and he takes her back to the cabin where the confrontation with the first killer happened. And so, they're like, okay, they have no way of knowing this, of course. Um, But he obviously wants a confrontation with Dave, and he wants, you know, he wants to recreate. For some reason, he's decided that Susan is in love with Dave. Yeah. So he wants to make this painful for Dave and recreate uh, the death of the woman at the start of the episode. Yes. Okay, sure. Uh, So they go to the first killer and they mock up a article, right? Uh, Faking it to look like James Nesbitt has wrote, written a new article like saying that he, Emerson, isn't the killer. Right. In an attempt to make get the Emerson to turn on. I know. Right. And that, in addition to the hair that uh, that Susan, you know, prepared, you know, gave to him when they were interviewing that thing, makes him turn on Nesbitt. Right. Turn on the reporter, Laney, uh, who's played by James Nesbitt, and sends them to and sends them to the barn for the final showdown. <sighs> And so then they go for the final showdown, and I don't understand the end of this episode. <laughs> oh, I will. I can sort of explain it, I think. Okay, so um, they ask, they tell Mark to stay outside because he wants a confrontation with Dave, and so Mark sneaks around the back of the place. Right? And so he has the confrontation with Dave. And uh, Susan says that, uh, essentially, that James Nesbitt Laney is in love with her. Right. And he doesn't want to kill her. And right, he he was just brainwashed into doing what he did. 
right? He was exploited and brainwashed into doing what he did by the killer. And it's like, I'm sitting there thinking, you understand that the killer, like, reached out to him because he found someone in the press who hated women as much as he did. Like, this stuff was already in James Nesbitt's character. That's why Emerson sought him out in the first place. Because he finally found someone whose loathing of women was as severe as his own. But whatever. He, they say you were brainwashed into doing this. Bullshit. I know. And he waves. No, no, it's only Susan who says Susan who's saying that. You were brainwashed into this. You don't want to hurt me. Put down the knife. And he wavers for a second, taking the knife away from her throat. And the minute the knife is away from her throat, Mark shoots him to death from the window. And suddenly everybody's yelling at Mark for saving the day. Because Emerson told him. Don't make a mistake. Kill him. Yes. That's what, that's what, those were Emerson's last words. Yeah, because that's what you should have done to me. Yes, you should have killed me. Yeah, so don't make the same mistake again. And so Mark doesn't make the same mistake that he made the first time. And instead of being friggin' celebrated for saving the day, suddenly everybody's yelling at him. I know. This episode. Now what I'm sounding going... like you. This episode. <laughs> driving this... me crazy. I'm glad it wasn't just me. Like, I don't oh. know what I was going to do if I came to you and I w- and you were going to try and justify, like, this something that, ha- like, anything that happened in this episode. Well, it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense for her to have an affair with this guy. I don't care. But after she's had the affair with him, it doesn't make any sense that they don't put her in protective custody. Right. When it's become clear he's the killer and he's targeting them. Like, nothing anybody does in this episode makes a lick of sense. I know. I I do not know what the idea was. was, We'll have to watch and see if Mr. Cullen writes any other episodes. Episodes of this, right? Because, like, what, what synopsis? And actually, I'm really, I'm curious. Because you're right. Like... We we make jokes about Paul Abbott being the worst cracker writer, you know? And he was the worst cracker writer. But it's, like, his episodes of Cracker, I mean, while we didn't think that the killer was very well written in the cult episode, from a mechanical construction standpoint, he at least understood what they were trying to do on Cracker, and you could see him doing that. Like, they weren't nonsense episodes where... Just crazy stuff happened and you had no idea why anything was happening, right? Whereas this, you know, I don't understand moment, it makes anyone's, no sense. No, you don't understand anyone's behavior. Yeah, you don't understand what anyone is doing anything the whole episode beginning to end. It's, yeah, it's why? Why? Like, oh, like, we haven't even talked about him going... And his wife, and now it turns out his wife doesn't want this baby. Yes. Like he goes to see, he goes to his wife to be comforted like he always does after he's shot this, after he failed. He wants to go hug his kids because he failed to save the girl. And that's just his brand. That's what he always does. And his wife snaps at him and like, you can't just show up looking for comfort. And her new husband says that she's, uh, you know, suffering from anti-mortem depression and suddenly has decided she doesn't want another kid. Yeah. 
and is freaking out all the time. And okay, and again, there's there's stuff to pay off later with that, I'm sure. I don't remember the details of this, but I'm sure there's stuff to pay off later with that as well. But yeah, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, it, it came out and he walks in there and she's yelling at the kids and she's ye- and he's yeah. and he just is blah. And then Dave says, you know, well, what's going on? And then then the guy says, well, was she like this when with the first two? And Dave says, no, because he has two girls with her. Yeah. You know, and he's no, but, you know, you just and Dave says, well, is there anything? Well, what are you going to say? Yeah. Right. What are you going to say to her? Yeah. And I thought that. So now this guy is thinking it's because it's his child that she doesn't want it. Yep. And it's anyway, we'll see what the payoff is. And they, but even that, you know, it just, I have no idea. I am sure. I mean, this one, we have to give them a wait and see on that part of the plot and see where they're going with it. Yes. But it's like, we have the instinct not to, because every other thing about this episode is so nonsensical and so completely out of left field. And I will remove the benefit of the doubt. I will tell you what, you know, I mean, Mark shot this guy. It's very clear why he shot Nesbitt. And that is number one. Emerson said, don't make the same mistake. Yeah. Kill him. And then, and Mark is feeling guilty because he couldn't take the shot the first time, which would have saved the girl. Yeah, probably. Probably it would have saved the girl. Yeah. Because he, even if he didn't kill him, he yeah, he would have incapacitated and he wouldn't have been Mark able to didn't drag do her it. In. Mark didn't do it because he's never shot anybody. Yeah. And, but I mean, the, uh, we didn't even, by the way, we didn't even mention the scene. No. Where no, that scene. Oh, that, we the pivotal scene bringing that it understands the ending. So, yes, you say about the pivotal scene. I'm sorry I didn't mention that earlier. No, I was Please. going to bring that up at this yeah. point, right? Because what happens is that Mark then tells Dave, who's yeah. feeling guilty because he misread Emerson. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dave. Mark tells Dave that he could have taken a shot. He just froze, basically, yeah. and he didn't he have it in him to shoot it. somebody in the back. Yeah, he couldn't shoot somebody in the back. Dave stops the car and kicks him out of the car. He kicks him out of the car and makes him walk to like a phone to call for the cops to come pick him up. And and and, and you're going why? Well, no, because He's- Dave's taken his guilt out on Mark. Yeah, well, I know, but it's still this stupidity. Oh, it's a terrible thing to do. We've got nobody we like here in this show. Well, like, the only people we're sympathetic to are, like, the family of this dead girl and kind of sympathetic to Mark. Yeah, because Mark... kind of sympathetic to Mark because it's like, yeah, it's hard to shoot somebody in the back. And Mark, first of all, they were... And Dave told Mark to take the shot. Yeah. They were both going into this whole thing, right? Into this cabin with the idea they were going to kill Nesbitt. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then, okay, so Susan starts talking. And now, how to... did she fall so madly in love with this man? Like, something wrong with Susan, too. Yeah, oh, um, absolutely. But, you know, and, you know, so Dave is hesitating and is going to buy what Susan says. And yes, Nesbitt does take, let loose the gun, sort of. No, the knife. He pulls it, he lowers it from her throat. Yes, but he doesn't let go of it. He doesn't drop it. That's key. And he doesn't drop it or anything. 
show he doesn't drop Mark it he doesn't finally, surrender mark has every right to shoot him in the back yeah well it wasn't even in the back he shot him in the front because oh yeah yeah him. he's off well, oh, yeah. he's, he's kind of on the side of him but yes yes but but you know no, no, yes uh, is no yeah but it was oh. seriously no notes on mark's decision in that scene and yet suddenly everybody's angry at mark for doing objectively the right thing he did the right thing and even Emerson, the serial killer, <laughs> agrees that he did the right thing. That this man was going to, yeah. I mean, oh, you know. And we are supposed to, okay, this is the connection we're supposed to make. When he was, and he killed that woman. Yeah. Okay, because before that, he had just destroyed women. And then yeah. they were. And then he made himself. the jump to actually murdering them himself. Yeah, and Emerson really... pushed him, pushed him to do that. Yeah. There's no question about that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, but then he, and that's, so we're supposed to go back to where he was conflicted and he was throwing things around his room. Yeah. And he was banging his head against the wall, basically, because he had done this. Which, by the way, the, um, the. And the, the shot, what I wanted to say. But let me just quickly say, we have a great scene with a psychologist where she explains how yeah. serial killers are not just dead-eyed psychopaths. They yeah. go through shame cycles Yeah. after killing people, and we watch James Nesbitt do that, and he does a really great job. But anyway, please no, continue. He did. No, that's what I was going to say. He did a really great job of that. Of acting out the shame cycle, yeah. The shame cycle and and the camera work was just... Oh, yeah. That's a, those are really well-made scenes. That whole That whole thing was a really good scene. Yeah, it was. You know, and then that's but what is it in service of? Yeah. Well, what was it in service of? Because how could Susan know him this well? She had dinner with him. Two dates drink, with him and had sex with this guy. And had sex with him. Yep. And then he says that creepy thing, you have really nice hair. I and know. I'm just going, holy shit, Susan, how can you not see the issue here? See the problem. And we it's see his a... face after he's had sex. Well, yeah, but she doesn't see that face. No. But we, and we already know he's the killer. <laughs> yeah, and we already know he's the killer. Yeah, we're already 100% sure he's the killer, and she doesn't see the face. But yeah, but he's asking the creepy question, and we know that it's about a guy who's obsessed with hair. Like, come on, Susan, what are you doing? Are you that stupid? Apparently. Apparently, like, I don't know. Oh in my fact, god. Here's here's but here's here's the one thing. Please. They created enough tension that I actually went to IMDb to check out whether she was in all the other episodes. Oh wow. Damn. I had forgotten whether or not she survived. She's in all of them. Damn. Okay. So she does survive because I couldn't stand the tension. Yeah. I get because it. I he was going to kill her. He would have killed her. She couldn't have talked him out of it. I don't believe she could have, no. No. She thinks she could have. Yep. She is mistaken. He would have killed her. Yep. Because you could see him. Right. He is oh, conflicted. Yeah. Yes, he's conflicted. But the drive to kill this woman who's going to have power over him. Yeah. Right? Because that's the situation that... That's what out. sticks with him. He's going to kill her eventually. And Mark did the right thing. Yeah. I know so, it's weird to, to hear they? us talking about it being good 
that a cop shot somebody, okay? That is not our normal position here on the show, and I understand that. But in this case, 100% it was the right thing to do for this cop to shoot this guy. First of all, Emerson is full-blown creepy. Oh, yeah. Like, the acting in this, Mm -hmm. but in service of what, in terms of the plot, the acting is really good. Like it's a great, it, like really great performances, every part and, of this episode. And David Laney, I mean Dan Laney or whatever his first name is, Laney, the the reporter, great yeah. as well. That character, the, James Desmond playing Laney, great job. Great but he job. Is in they service did. of like the lazily, most lazily written and script. And why? And why would would Dave believe that Nesbitt? Yeah. It, it, He's coming after him and not a woman when these guys only hate women. No, but it's not just that. At that end scene, why the is end he scene, willing why, to Why listen? would he hesitate? Yes. Why is he willing to listen to Susan? He hesitates this yeah. time, Mark, partly because he hesitated the last time. And it I ended would say badly. largely because he hesitated the last time. And then everyone ices him out. And then Dave frigging blames him and throws him out of the car. Yeah. Like, he is pushed to do this. Well, not only is he pushed to do this, I mean, this guy, I mean, he doesn't say, I surrender, he doesn't drop the knife. He just lures it a little bit. There was no reason not to shoot him. Yeah. And so, yeah, the way they treat Mark is unacceptable. Yeah. Full stop, unacceptable. Yeah. Oh, and Dave, so, as so I said, why Dave Dave hesitates? Like, like, yeah, why does he buy it? We started to get we started to get a sort of a read on him last time. Yeah, and now I'm going okay. So they've screwed it up again. I have no idea who. Well, this no. Guy. What's so crazy is he hesitates, right? Yeah, uh, he hesitates. Be, uh, but hesitating is what got the girl killed at the beginning. Yeah. Like giving giving Emerson a chance is why that girl is dead. Yes. And now you're gonna give Nesbitt a chance too. To kill Susan, your partner. Jesus, what is happening? Yeah, no, I know. It's like oh. okay, Mark, uh you did the right thing. I know it's small solace that on this <laughs> podcast we agree you did we, the right we, thing. Fictional character Mark. We 100% are on board and justify your actions. And you can see me, you know. You know, 25 years later, we sign off on this behavior. <laughs> this is not normally what we do. Oh, famous act, now famous actress Vera Farmiga is who played Susan in the American remake. I just looked it up. Oh. Yeah. Well, So all it's I- Jeffrey Donovan and Vera Farmiga. I'm I'm more and more curious as we get through this to see what the hell the Americans did with this show. Well, we'll have to wait and see. We'll, if we, we can, will, if we can find it, we will not have gotten a full frontal. Of well, the obviously, but that's serial killer from the most important part of the episode. I'm sorry. It, it, it was a surprise, though. It was a surprise, like. When you saw it the first time, You're like, wait, is that just a naked guy? Oh, yeah, it, it was is. blurred. Yeah. It was blurred. You couldn't see it. And then they showed it to us, and I'm going... Again, they're like, oh, okay. Okay, as a woman, I'm going, yes, well hung. No wonder they were making these comments. Jesus. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's fine. But it's true. It's funny, yeah. 
Oh, oh. God, it is. But then, yeah, and they all joke about it. But it's like, what? What is this episode? I don't know. These characters are not behaving like they are the elite cops yeah. of the British police criminal system. Yeah. That's what they're supposed to be. The most elite. Yeah. And you're sitting there going, what is this? Well, yeah. it's the writers, of course. But oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they thought. I No, you I don't, don't know, know what they thought they were doing this week. Yeah, I don't know what Paul Abbott... I'm interested, like, what did Paul Abbott originally write and what ended up, you know, on the page for us? Yeah, I mean, <sighs> what happened? Um, what the hell happened here? Yeah, and why did he, um, Paul Abbott, not write? Somebody else, someone called Sheehan Orals writes the next one. So did Paul Abbott write, not write any of season two? Well, Paul Abbott's always there as a writer. Well, yeah, no, but I mean, that's the created by, the sorry, the devised by. Oh, God. Right? What? What What Price the Child? The third episode, who wrote that one? Uh, Mike Cullen, the same guy that wrote the first one. We're in for a treat, I think. Hey, uh, I'm beginning to see why this show didn't run a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're beginning to understand the problem. Man, what the hell happened to Paul Abbott that he just created this show and then ran off? Like, you know, say what you will about Jimmy McGovern. He yeah. had his problems. He never abandoned Cracker. No, he never did. No, Tony Etchell's 3-1. So, so he didn't even come back for the last season. No, Paul Abbott's there. Paul Abbott's oh. always there. No, but again, devised by. Jimmy McGovern always got the created oh, by thing on Cracker. No, no, it has him on IMDb as the writer. We okay, don't so know. He might have actually written the episode. Yes. So okay. we don't we, know. We will take a wait and see on season three. Yes. But we're not excited for the rest of season two. No. And right. the person who did number two does three. Uh this this the last four and three. Okay. So <laughs> All right, so this should be fun. Well, it'll be interesting. It'll be a walk. I'll say that much. All right, so that's going to be that. Thank everybody. I want to thank everybody for suffering through this dire episode of television with us. I mean, sorry to just yell and complain the whole week, but it's like, what is there to like other than the performances this week? Yeah. Seriously. All right. So, uh, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you have any suggestions for profiling-related fiction you'd like us to check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, if you were listening on an app or podcatcher, please rate and review. That's how people find out about the show. We're going to see you here back next week for episode two of season two. What's this one called? Two of season two. You've told me that three is what price a child. I don't know what the second one's called. But, um, uh, war? It's something about war. Okay. Okay, uh, I have to open up by, for some I, reason. I assumed you hadn't closed IMDb. I, I don't know why I assumed that. I did not on purpose. I clicked on, I clicked on the episode and rather than opening up the episode, it went to Prime Video. Oh, okay. That happens. Don't ask. Don't ask. No, no, that can happen. Don't That's ask. totally normal. All right. Uh, so Wants to make sure it soon, knows. 
we'll see you back here for episode two of season two. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. Yes, and have a good week.